Countdown for a blast off. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. Red Shovel Network presents X minus one. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then if you want to get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Elric? Hello, my good friends. It's your old pal, ML Elric, investigative reporter at Fox 2 News and your host, Soul of Detroit, joined by Mark Fellhauer, the man who keeps things moving in the rightist direction or rightish direction. Also, the uh, second banana on the Charlotte and Dad podcast. You yeah. can find him on Twitter at Mark Fell. Do not follow the uh, the Asian gentleman in Switzerland on Twitter. And of course, Sean Windsor of the Detroit Free Press. You can find him at Sean Windsor on Twitter, and you can see him in the Free Press on a almost a daily basis. Even though it seems like you should be getting a break after that. Epic uh, football and basketball season. Well, there's Michigan baseball, right, Mark? Yeah, God, I'm all on college board. World Series. So let me let me go over my story notes. It says here: Be gracious, uh, <laughs> acknowledge U of M's uh, victory over UCLA that sent them to the College World Series, and now I'm going to ad lib. That was a hell of a series. I mean, first of all, they beat the number one seed. Second of all, they should have beat them. A bunch of errors hurt them. Yeah. They lose in overtime, and then they come back. For a third swipe at him, knock him off, and they're going to Omaha. So best of luck to your Michigan Wolverine men's baseball team. I, I typically am not a college baseball viewer. because really, Who is? Really, who is, exactly. Um, and watching those games, I realized something, that college baseball is to the MLB what college football is to the NFL, and that crazy stuff happens because they're not all professionals. They're not all good. So there's a lot more airs. The ball gets put in play. You don't oh, yeah. see that in Major League Baseball. It's been great. Well, who the hell allows them to use aluminum bats still? Can you imagine being a pitcher or a third baseman when someone's cranking that little pill at you off a piece of steel? That would scare the shit out of me. I don't even like playing third base in softball. I want in the pros. It doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> By the way, it's their first appearance in 35 years. Since, since 1984. Barry Larkin, remember? Yeah. Hall of Fame shortstop for the Reds. It's also the first time a Big Ten, the first time a Big Ten team has been in the College World Series. I think in six years, it doesn't happen. Indiana was the last team to do it. Doesn't happen often. So, congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines baseball team. We wish you the best of luck, and even I wish you the best of luck. And and maybe out of sympathy, some of you Wolverines out there will rate this show highly. Give us five stars, like we give to your Michigan. Wolverines baseball team. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about us. We are picking up steam. But, you know, you can't have enough steam. Although I guess if you have too much steam, the boiler explodes and people die. So just enough steam. If we could have a little more steam, we don't want to get into the red zone, but we do want to get a little more steam. So please, rate, more subscribe, steam. tell your friends. Yes, more steam. That's, just, that's today's theme, more steam. And uh, you know who else we want to do a little more business for is uh, Hall Financial. They are a sponsor of the Red Shovel Network, and I am a client. I can tell you. 
I'm refinancing my house through Hall Financial. These guys go fast. Uh, I've got an incredibly low rate, so this is a really good time to look at the market and try and take some money out of your house. We can't emphasize how important people like David Hall are to the survival of this show and every other show on the network because they're taking a chance on this new form of media. If you want to refinance your home and help them help us, Hall Financial would love to save you money. You can email David at dhall at hallfg.com or call Hall Financial at 248-308-5000. Maybe it's your first home. Maybe it's your dream home. Maybe you just want to take some money out of your home and not cut into the mattress that you've been hiding it because you don't trust the banks because there's a conspiracy. Give David Hall a chance and get lower rates, better options, and more personal attention. They have over 600 five-star reviews. The industry average for a refi is 44 days. Hall financial average is 19 days. They'll fight for you even if you have a dent in your credit history. Again, email dhall at hallfg.com or call 248 308-5000, and thank them for giving the soul of Detroit a chance to stick around a while. MLS1467435. I don't know what that means, but if you tell them ML sent you, you'll get some numbers that mean something and that you'll really like. And thinking about liking and supporting and all that other stuff, Dr. Yaldo, this guy has been supporting this show, and we really haven't been supporting him that much. It's been a one-way street, folks. This week we're going to change that. LASIK is one of the safest surgeries in all of medicine, and it has changed the lives of millions of people by allowing them to get 20-20 vision or better without the hassle and poor performance of glasses and contacts. It's about freedom and lifestyle, and Dr. Yalder, our loyal Red Shovel Network sponsor, is the number one LASIK surgeon in Michigan. An incredible 30,000-plus people have trusted their eyes. That's 60,000 eyeballs to him. They've trusted those eyeballs That's quick to math. Dr. Y. That's right. That's, I, you know, Spartan math. The majority have actually gotten better results than they'd hoped for. It's because his cat's custom LASIK is the world's most precise and most patients get better than 20-20 vision called supernormal vision. Wow. It takes only a few minutes, is painless, and you'll get to throw all those contacts and glasses in the garbage. His multifocal lens implants for people 45 and over frees you forever from your hated reading glasses, gives you precise far vision, and will prevent cataracts from ever forming you've got nothing to lose by seeing dr yaldo for a free evaluation maybe you're not ready for lasik maybe you just want to get your eyes checked you know your insurance covers that folks there's a small deductible but your insurance will cover an eye exam and you should have one every year maybe you want to get glasses maybe you want to get sunglasses because the sun is finally here dr y can help you out tell them ml and the soul of detroit sent you and you will save fifteen hundred dollars or more on the lasik not on the sunglass unless you're getting some pimped out cartiers Call 1-800-398-EYES, that's 1-800-398-EYES, or go to YaldoEyeCenter.com. Please let them know we sent you because we don't want Dr. Y to go away. This is not a Kwame Kilpatrick show. We've done a few episodes that touch on Kwame Kilpatrick because I can't seem to escape uh, Kwame Kilpatrick. But when it's appropriate to talk about Kwame Kilpatrick, we're going to talk about Kwame Kilpatrick. Just when I thought I was out. You can't escape Kwame Kilpatrick, and we're talking about him because you may have seen it, you may have heard it mentioned on the Drew and Mike podcast, his letter to uh, the president asking for clemency. We're joined by a special guest, federal prosecutor, author, Michael Bellotta, who put Kwame Kilpatrick in prison. Michael, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you. How are your eyes? Could you use a little LASIK? (laughs) I probably could. Okay, straight to Yaldo. I think I started wearing glasses when that trial started back in 2012. And I can get that house refinanced, too. <laughs> okay. But So thanks for joining. So this letter, what did you think when you saw this letter? Well, when I read it, I, I 
kind of was consistent with everything that we've known about Kwame Kilpatrick, which is he's someone who lies, starting with when he was in the state house and he lied about what he was going to use $500,000 of state grant money for and ended up going to his wife and to Bobby Ferguson to renovate his his um, offices. So he lied about that. He lied about using the civic fund money. You remember that famous uh, – uh, Yes. Yes. On- Patty Monomery and David Zeman of the Free Press broke that story during the 2001 mayoral campaign. Yes. And so he said he wasn't going to use one penny, one penny of that money for the campaign because it's not allowed by law. And we played that clip over and over again in his trial because he was right. It is not allowed by law. Yeah, no, and, and that became a problem for him. Um, I found out about this letter through an excellent report in an excellent news source by one of the best reporters in town, a guy named Alan Lengel. He's the editor of Deadline Detroit. He was the one who broke the news uh, in Detroit that Kilpatrick had written this letter uh, basically slobbering all over Trump, hoping to get out of prison early. How did you find out about this letter? I think I saw it also on Deadline Detroit. I think that's the first time I saw it. Do you guys get a heads up on this stuff? Like, hey, hey, your guy wrote something crazy. We, we didn't about the letter, but we did know about the application for a pardon under Obama. And he did apply, but nothing happened on that. So. How, how do you think it became public? Is it, uh, it's not a public filing, is it? No, it's certainly no, not. It's it doesn't show up in the, the federal House. court system. So unless you're checking, maybe... Would it be subject to FOIA through the Bureau of Prisons as something that a prisoner wrote? No, no. Um, prisoner's mail is is checked occasionally, but I don't believe that they would have had any idea about that letter. Um, so I'm thinking that there's someone that would have had to, to leak it to the press, but I just don't know who. Well, it could be Sean. Sean did you tell him? <laughs> I that, did. Was that you? Are you reading Kilpatrick's mail still? I am. <laughs> how's how's his grammar and syntax? Is that getting better? You're going down a. Um Slippery road right there with that. <laughs> you don't like my grammar? Just, my no, grammar was a great just woman. Just suggest that he lies and he's a criminal and, and that's leave it at that. He, he, you don't want to talk about his grammar, right? You're, you're going down a place you don't want to go down. No, actually, I will tell you, his, having read... His, his grammar and his verbiage in this was written for an audience of one. Make yes. no bones about it. And it's a kindred spirit. How about that? It's perfectly written... For the president, too. He hit all the buzzwords. No. You know what, Mark? Um, he says in the letter that, that he was prosecuted by the Obama-appointed U.S. attorney and the Obama-appointed prosecution team. But the funny thing about that is that we started investigating Kwame Kilpatrick in 2005 under George W. Bush and under Steve Murphy, who was our U.S. attorney. So most of the investigation actually occurred before Obama was even elected. You're not suggesting he's lying in the um, letter. I, I don't have to. <laughs> Wasn't his sentencing a Bush appointee judge? That's right. That's uh, right. Edmonds uh, was judge a Nancy Bush? Nancy Edmonds. Okay. Uh, was that H.W. Bush or W.? That would have had to be H.W. Folks, well, I was going to say may remember. Actually, no one will remember Byron Wizard White, one of the most conservative justices on the Supreme Court of the last 50 years. He was appointed by JFK, who thought he was appointing a liberal justice, and one of the most liberal justices of the last 50 to 75 years, Brennan, was appointed by, I believe, Eisenhower, who thought he was going to be a bulwark against, you know, uh, sort of lefties and whatnot, and so you don't know when John you put Roberts, these guys on the bench. Right? Yeah, John Roberts is now he's the not middle. a liberal, but he's, yeah. he's at least, right, well, When he was put on the bench, people were like, wow, is he going to be more conservative than Rehnquist? And now he's the one who's let Obamacare go through, and who's, he's, he is the most pivotal justice 
on the court right now. Well, you're starting to see it with Kavanaugh a little bit. He sided with the liberal judges. But, I mean, there's so much more to be seen with where... It's because the liberal judges have, you know, better weed. Well... Oh, no, that's Judge he likes beer. Ginsburg who didn't get out there. <laughs> but the state has weed now. Does it really matter? Um, I don't know if you got any. I have uh, an edible. Really? <laughs> it's still illegal under federal law. Yeah, I tr- feel like I have Teresa to put that out. Hey, when Balada yeah. leaves, we'll talk about that, Sean. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's, I'd say we could chop that up, but that sounds bad, too. Well, let me get to this letter because it's really worth listening. And I've highlighted my, I've highlighted Damn, my copy with, uh, with blue for things that are sort of ass-kissy, green for things that are sort of like really ass-kissy, and orange for things that are outright lies. Let me tell you something. Uh, used a lot of orange. My, my blue and my green pens are hanging on by a fingernail. The orange pen's gone. The whole box <laughs> is out. So I'm going to go through this. Hell and, yeah. And uh, I'm going to invite uh, Michael to jump in as he sees fit because... <sighs> We we want a truth squad. This is this is really we're not trying to pile on Kilpatrick. What we're trying to do is is set the record straight because what happens with history is people forget, and history repeats when we misunderstand it, when we revise it. Also, add that most people, like ninety nine point nine percent of the people, were not in the courtroom like you were and I was to hear six months of testimony of over almost a hundred witnesses and thousands of exhibits so you know it's yeah. kind of important to get it out in the ether that this man has done so many things that were illegal and for him to now write this letter and say he hasn't done anything illegal is just astounding so i'm going to try and go through this damn and we're going to keep it going uh till we have some little stops for just for truth squatting i think we can get through the first paragraph before we have to stop uh dear mr president I first want to congratulate you for the overwhelming and stunning victories of your presidential campaign and also the unprecedented success of your first two years in office. You have shaken up the entire world, and that is a great thing to behold. I pray for your success daily. There's some blue and green in there. I applaud your boldness and tenacity in confronting the traditional and sometimes deformed politics of our country. You have vociferously exposed the treacherous and calculating schemes of the media. Bullshit warning. Bullshit warning. And government that have worked to crush families, communities, and even truth, capital T, itself. Thank you for standing up, speaking out, and exposing this wickedness. Now, what's more wicked than banging your best friend's wife while your best or hus- while while he's coaching your kids uh, in football? Okay, sorry, sorry, I got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. I met you in Detroit years ago with my mentor Don Bard. Mr. Bard oh. always spoke very highly of you and truly admired your business savvy and leadership oh. skills. I love to sit with Mr. B. Cigars all around, of course. <laughs> and listen to him talk about working with you. He was my friend, a key supporter, dot, 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 and remained so until his death. If he were alive today, there is no doubt in my mind that on my behalf, he would be making this plea to you himself and asking you for a casino for him and Michael Jackson and Bubbles. <laughs> that last part is parenthetical. <laughs> part of me wished that would ha- that happened. Oh, that would have been <laughs> Jackson great. been a part owner of a casino. It would be like here. Planet Hollywood meets, oh, Lord. Uh, meets uh, Neverland Ranch meets uh, uh, House of Wax. Okay, here comes some orange. Mr. President, I am humbly and respectfully asking that you will extend your heart to me and my family for another chance at abundant life. I am humbly requesting that you would give me relief from this egregious and unjust federal prison sentence of 28 years with capital letters, one stroke of your pen. You would give, and I think it's actually a Sharpie. You would give new life, freedom, and hope to me, my family, and many who will be served by your gesture of kindness, mercy, and forgiveness. Now, Michael, you were very good to stay seated. 
unjust and egregious federal prison sentence of 20 years. I've heard this is the most anyone's ever gotten anywhere and that they maxed him out on the sentencing guidelines. True or false? Um, false. Absolutely false. So here's the thing. He got convicted of 24 felonies, and most of those had a 20-year maximum sentence. So he could have been sentenced to longer than 28. In fact, like we have 400 years, right? Because they can we stack them up. That's right. But we have sentencing guidelines that are that are considered by the judge in every case. And his guidelines were through the roof, quite frankly. They were, he was level 43, which is as high as you can get on the sentencing guidelines book. That we, Not as we good as level 42 when it comes to new wave music. Not as far as music. <laughs> like, very that's good. Right. Yeah. Um, there's something about you. One bet. That's right. That's right. Um, but anyway, man. The, um, his guideline range actually was life. So Judge Edmonds saw that and said, no, that's not that's not fair in this case. So she actually departed downward from his guideline range of life and gave him a sentence of 28 years. And he's not the only um, public corruption defendant that had received a 28-year sentence at that point. Uh, a couple of years before, Jim DeMora, who was the commissioner of Cuyahoga County in Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio. That's right. He, um, he received 28 years as well. White um, guy, by the way. That's right. Italian gentleman. Recently, you may recall, I know you probably do, um, I'm not sure if everybody else does, but Dean Reynolds, who's the trustee at Clinton Township, just received from Judge White fellow. Also, white fellow, correct. He received 17 years for a much less corruption, um, uh, less vast of a corruption um, yeah, He only enterprise. took tens of thousands of dollars, whereas Kilpatrick not millions. took millions of dollars. And, and the other thing, folks, we hear all the time, you know, oh, well... You know, how many times did you see uh, somebody who embezzled get uh, a few years? There are enhancements when you're a public official, and there are enhancements based on the amount of money you stole. And I believe there are enhancements based on the number of charges you're convicted of. That's true. Um, the, so the so he, hit all, he hit all the booster rockets. He sure did. He sure did. And the thing about when you think about people embezzling and getting sentenced, public or non-public officials, private folks, their sentences are much lower because they start at a lower level on the guideline range. But when you're a uh, public official, you start at a level 14, which just puts you up there, right? From because the, you have an Jump obligation Street. to serve all of us. When you steal from a private business, that's your boss's fault for not watching you. When you steal from the public, in this case, you cheated 700,000 souls. So, okay, got to move on. Got to move on. <laughs> Uh, back to There's too many lies to cover. Yes, I know. It's only a four-hour show. Uh, for clarity purposes, this is Mr. Kilpatrick, and I must state what my federal case does not involve. Michael, we got to give you a buzzer here. <laughs> None of the charges nor any convictions involve the city of Detroit bankruptcy. You could say that. Ah, uh, buzzed. His actions of the five hundred million dollar bond um, deal involved, you know, certainly led to eventually the bankruptcy. But he stole lots of money. If that's what you're, if yeah, that's, I think that's so, another one of so the we'll line give, items. We'll give him a push on that. None of the charges nor any convictions involve embezzlement, misuse of public <laughs> funds, or stealing, quote unquote, any money. Yeah, that's not true. So he started stealing before he became mayor. A lot of folks thought that he he came into office and was sort of corrupted by the. The, the position of mayor of Detroit, but actually he started stealing money, and I think I alluded to this when he was a, a state rep, and he stole about $500,000. So he, he started off stealing before he... So, that, so that was through a grant, right? That was Yeah, it was, the grant was... Yeah, yeah, Mark, the grant was supposed to help um, bring... Arts, right? Yeah, arts and, and, and help poor people. In fact, he bamboozled his own pastor, if you may recall from the testimony. Edgar Van had a... Um, Vanguard. Yeah, he had Vanguard, and so not only did Vanguard pay 
Kwame's wife, um, Carlita, $100,000 of this grant money. But then when the state audited Edgar Van, they learned that, that she didn't do anything for it. So yeah. Edgar Van had to pay back $100,000 that would have gone to help children, and he had to pay that back and got nothing for it. So Helping, it was kind of a double wow. Poor a double kids whammy. in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Detroit – just east of the new center on East Grand Boulevard. He also gave a lot of that money to Bobby Ferguson. Jim Schaefer and I went out to check on this this home for the elderly that Bobby <laughs> had used the state grant money to buy. It was a duplex that uh, the neighbor said, yeah, he bought one half of it, and he was always a pain in the ass, and he never really put anybody there, let alone old or poor people. So, so double buzzer there. Okay, next bullet point from Mr. Kilpatrick's <laughs> letter. None of the charges nor any convictions involve bid rigging or the fixing of any contracts. No, he stole um, $83 million worth of contracts basically by, by bid rigging, essentially saying – and our theme at trial was based on one of their text messages, which was no deal without me. So you couldn't get um, a contract with the Detroit Water and Sewer Department, for instance, which was really the cash cow of – of the city because they have a $1 billion a year budget. So you couldn't get a contract unless you put Ferguson in on the bid or added him on later because your contract would be canceled. So I would say he's wrong to the tune of about $83 million. But, but just to be fair to, to Mr. Kilpatrick, if you, if you forget the $83 million, then he <laughs> didn't really rig any bids. Just, to, just to be, those five that the jury convicted him oh, of so, extortion uh, of. Okay, so if you forget those contracts that he, he rigged, then there's no bid rigging. And if, yeah, okay, so we're, we're going to give him a mulligan on the five contracts he was convicted on and $83 million. So that one, that one, may, that one may be a push. Okay, next up. <laughs> None of the charges nor any convictions involve any financial loss to the city of Detroit whatsoever. Don't let me get to the end of that sentence without a big buzzer. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> Take oh it away, gosh. Counselor. Um, well, starting with um, just one contract I can think of. There was a there was a water and sewer contract. We called it 2014. We knew it by the number, but essentially, the mayor brought this this gentleman into his into the Manoogie Mansion. His name was, was Ger- Gerard Grant Phillips, and he was in charge of giving these they call them um, human um, rights certificates. So if you're from based in Detroit, or if you meet certain qualifications as a contractor, you get this. And so he, because he wanted Bobby Ferguson to win this huge contract. He directed Gerard Grant Phillips to pull the certification from this company, DLZ, which was a minority contracting company. He pulled the certification for no reason whatsoever, dropping their bid because they get points for the certification below Ferguson's bid. So, Ferguson, ah, so there was a reason he pulled the, the certification. That's right. That's right. And that cost the city $1.6 million because that Ferguson's company – charge that much more and it cost a minority contractor an opportunity to do some business with the city of detroit so this is this is a brother hurting a brother and then hurting all of us to the tune of 1.6 million dollars okay so and what about the two hundred thousand dollars you you covered this the city credit card (laughs) that's that's money he cost the city yeah for whining and dining himself well, but he and Derek Miller did deserve that bottle of Cristal at uh, at uh, Puff Daddy's restaurant in Atlanta. I'm I'm, I'm willing to give him. Oh, I guess he. Sorry, my bad. He didn't. My bad. Eight point four million dollars in the whistleblower settlement to cover up the text messages. Yeah. That's that was that was bad too. That was bad too. That would have knocked down a lot of houses. Okay, back to the mayor. None of the charges nor any convictions involve any violent crime, rape, robber, robbery, murder, etc. Okay, that one's accurate. However, I was excessively sentenced to a 28-year prison sentence. We already covered that. Hashtag too much time. Very cute. 
My sentence breaks down as follows. Rico conspiracy with two members unprecedented in federal courts. 20-year sentence. Is it unprecedented in federal court for a Rico conspiracy to involve two other people? No. And no. in fact, it, it has, has to, right? It has to involve at least two people to be a conspiracy. Yeah. But there have been his involved more than two people for yeah. the record. But. So that's the definition of a conspiracy. It has two or more members. So moving on. Using 13,953 <laughs> of my nonprofit monies for personal use between 2003 and 2007, fundraised 1.7 million. So I guess you can embezzle a little bit if it raises a lot. I mean, can I jump in on that? Yeah, please. So, so instead, of, oops, <laughs> instead of 13K, try $500,000. Family trips to, to Carlsbad, California, to the La Costa Spa, which he, by the way, made. Matt Allen, I think you probably know him in the media, made him lie to the press about it and say that he paid for it, which he didn't. He actually also spent twenty six thousand dollars to put a lynching ad in the Michigan Chronicle. Oh yeah, uh, right, when he ran right before Freeman Hendricks he was yeah. running for reelection, and a lot of that went to um, Adolf Mongo. You may be familiar mm-hmm. with his work. You know, um, Mr. Mongo. A um, hundred thousand to scandal inspiration Judy Smith. For to be a crisis oh, manager, right. yes, yeah, she was. She was the, uh, the oh, she was the, the troublemaker, the troubleshooter, whose career inspired the ABC, the hit ABC series. Didn't Stable. he have some golf clubs that said "Mayor on yes. the Bag"? Or I'm not something? even talking about the small stuff. I'm trying yeah. to keep it keep it big. I mean, <laughs> okay. he, he got spy equipment that. Uh, that's, that's right. He had to. He had to. Because he was worried bugs. you guys had tapped the mayor's office. Yes. Had you tapped the mayor's yes. office? No, I wish we had. Damn it. But we did not. Here's what you would have heard. Didn't need to. Play the Bezos drop. That's what you would have heard. Of. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not playing Okay, that. don't play. This is a little more sophisticated show than the sure. flagship. This is so. highbrow. That's right. This is At least we're middlebrow. Okay. We may even be unibrow, but we got a brow. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, so he's wrong. Ten city contracts between the years 2002-2008 that we performed on time, on budget, and very well. The city of Detroit did not lose or misspend any money related to these contracts. The work performed within the scope of these ten contracts continue to serve the city today. Yeah, we kind of already covered it that, that five of those contracts were, were just um, the result of extortion. There were And Bobby Ferguson got a million dollars for not doing not any doing work, anything. Right? So who knows how much money that, yeah. I mean, it was hard to pin down how much money the city lost, which is why it was a little difficult for to determine the restitution amount, but certainly the 1.6 million from the one contract. We'll take a quick buzzer there, Mark, if you got a second. There, beautiful. The feds opened their investigation against me in February of 2002, just one month after I took office. The feds are politicians. They choose sides in elections. They didn't want me to win. I wasn't their choice. I ran a grassroots, people-driven campaign and shook up the establishment. I beat them twice. That all appeals to Trump. I know you know a great deal about this. Now, first of all, the establishment, he was the choice of the McNamara administration, the most powerful Democratic machine in Michigan history, practically. So he was the establishment. Michael, I know you got a thought on the rest of this. Yes. So we didn't start investigating him in February, the month after he took office of 2002, as he tells Donald Trump. We, in fact, started our investigation in 2005. And the way investigations get opened up, is we don't just pick people and start investigating them. We need what's called predication, especially with a public official like the mayor of Detroit. So we, the investigation, we didn't find it. It kind of came to us. We had two – you have to have two independent sources of predication to open a case. And we got that because, one, we had an informant. And the informant was saying that he got a city contract because he paid the mayor off through his father, Bernard Kilpatrick. That was one. That was one predication source, and the second was actually an, an anonymous letter, 
And the writer of the letter said that at Cobo Hall, there was bribery, that the, the, the exclusive contractor, a guy named Carl Cato, was bribing the director, Lou Pavlidis. And we investigated it. We talked to Mr. Cato, and he said he was also bribing the mayor directly. So we had two, two sources – Independent sources. That's why we had to open a case. We would be remiss if we did not. The investigation persisted for more than nine years. The Obama-appointed U.S. attorney aggressively pursued my prosecution like no other. So the thing about that is that the investigation actually started in 2005, as I said, under George W. Bush. And Steve Murphy was the U.S. attorney. So it really had nothing to do with Obama. It sounds like um, maybe that was added for um, a particular um, target audience. audience. Audience of one. Mike Clark would be but, proud. But you know what's interesting? It's Barbara McQuaid, and she's out there pretty publicly. It is Barbara. Yes. 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 Yeah, yes, yes. She's yes. out there very publicly trashing Trump. Yes. Yeah, she has. She has got. Uh, she is uh, now. Um, I think a paid consultant or analyst for NBC. MSNBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that name is going to catch. Um, that name is going to catch Trump's attention. I'm actually. I don't think he watches MSNBC, but someone's mentioned. I'm surprised he didn't mention McQuaid by name here. But um, the Obama appointed team viciously and maliciously pursued the prosecution anyway because they could. That seems to be trying to draw a parallel between himself and the Mueller investigation. Even if you believe everything I the feds have in my case without the RICO conspiracy conviction, I could not have received more than a 96 month sentence. Is that true? Not true. No. Okay. Not true. His guidelines would have been about the same. It's just one of he had, <laughs> he had 23 other felony convictions and oh my goodness oh okay, my goodness. so the letter i guess the big question is 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 what percentage would you put on him act this letter actually working because there's a whole process where it goes from uh one office to the other it's got to work its way up however didn't trump pardon uh sheriff Apio arpaio without any of that without a trial without I a think. trial before he even went to trial before any kind of vetting through the process the, the way it's supposed to work is that there is a um, a request for clemency or for a pardon that goes to the the office of of uh, pardons how appropriate yes and they, and they review it and then they usually contact the local united states attorney's office who prosecuted the case to have them weigh in and usually if that AUSA the assistant us attorney is still at the office in the office, or they go find that person and get their point of view if they've left the office. So they get a lot of different points of view weighing in before a decision is ultimately made. If Trump actually found out about this letter, it doesn't have to go through that process, does it? My understanding is no. I mean, the, the, the president has constitutional powers to pardon, so the process is there so that it. To whittle it down for to, him. To, to, yeah, to vet the requests, but it's not a constitutional requirement. That's right. So Michael has been gracious to come here. He's, he's been very busy doing the Macomb County public corruption. There's more corruption cases they're looking into. Uh, I think we heard our U.S. attorney, Matthew Schneider, say, uh, and I don't think he meant to denigrate the state in any way, that Michigan is kind of yeah. the most corrupt state in the country. So, so Michael is, is uh, very kind to be here, and, and I'm going to be an ungracious host by saying Michael sucks because – Throughout this long investigation, there was no planting of stories. There was no uh, assisting the media. In fact, these guys, the the FBI and the U.S. attorney, are horrible because we would call and say, uh, we got anything? Uh, are we right? Uh, we're going to report this. Uh, we think this is true. Uh, can you confirm this? Uh, can you point us to And every time they said, 
I, I really can't help you with any of that. Well, can you just tell us if we're wrong? Uh, no, because if I tell you if you're wrong, it's like telling you you're right. I guess thank you, Michael, for being... For doing your job. Yeah, for being a conscientious public official, but no thanks for being a lousy source. But to that point, though, about not saying anything, we actually had a, a wiretap on Bernard Kilpatrick's phone. We never actually spun off onto Kwame's phone, but we had a wiretap on Bernard Kilpatrick's phone for almost a year, and just a small group of people knew about it. It never leaked out. So the FBI and in, in our office are pretty good about not. Oh, no. I mean, hey, you know, taxpayers be happy. Reporters unhappy. You guys are a little too professional for my taste on that one. But that's that's the letter. If you want to read the whole thing, you can find it at DeadlineDetroit.com. Um, any other thoughts on this? I'm just thinking about it exhausts me. I have a thought. Um, if you think about what Kwame Kilpatrick did as far as corruption, I mean, it was so vast. Um, and you look at what he corrupted. You start off with the DWSD. It's a the Detroit, Detroit Water and Sewer. Just everybody bitches about how high the rates are. Yeah, a billion dollar budget a year. And he goes there and he corrupts it and he extorts folks and he makes everybody hire Bobby Ferguson. Then you go to Cobo Hall, our civic center, where he was getting bribed by Carl Cato to the tune of about $50,000 in cash. Then you go to the city pension system. He corrupted that too. And he had people like Chauncey Mayfield flying him around in private jets, giving him, you know, lavishing all kinds of things of value on him. Andre Cunningham, you remember, remember him? He actually was forced to pay a bribe to Bernard so that he could get investments from the pension fund. So you got that. Then you got the city building projects to build something in Detroit. You had to, you had to take care of the mayor. There's one builder that had no to, deal without me. That's right. You had to. This one um, builder had to, to pay for the mayor's custom suits. That was one thing he had to do. Um, then you go to the casino development. John Rutherford. I, I know you mentioned him before. Yep. The ten thousand dollars great quarterback way back when in in the PSL, yeah. Denby High School. Yeah, he um, bought ten thousand dollars worth of suits in Dubai. I guess he left the Kwame left forgot the suits that. behind. Um, crazy. And and when he was getting the suits done, this was a meeting arranged by the Arab American uh, business community, and there was a big meeting, a big dinner where they were supposed to make friends and make some contacts that would come back and pay some dividends in Detroit when he gets back from the trip. This is really a friend-raising sort of trip. Kilpatrick missed this whole crucial meeting because he was being fitted for these suits. And even after that, they left the suits back in Dubai. Hmm. So let's give him an extra week in jail for being a nitwit. But one more area I wanted to mention is the city workers themselves. People that are making like thirty or forty thousand dollars a year, much less than Kwame, they were forced twice a year to give him gifts at Christmas and his birthday, and they would buy him things like Rolex watches by donating money. Um, one woman that testified said that she spent I think two hundred dollars for Kwame's gift, and I said I cross-examined her. I think the defense called her, and I said, "How much you know did you spend on your mom and your grandma that year?" And she said. You know, $25 or $50. She didn't have a lot of money. And then one other person I want to mention, a man named William Tandy. I don't know if you heard his testimony. He was the coach of a inner city um, uh, boys football team called the West Side Cubs. He said that he went to one of Kwame's birthday parties called the Splash of Red. That was what it was called. And he felt obligated to give $100 in cash as a donation. And when we asked him, you know, how did you afford that? He said, I ate ramen noodles for a week. So that's yeah. that's the kind of corruption that he brought. It was so vast, and that's why the 28-year sentence, I mean, it was fitting for him. A splash of red, a flood of green, and a torrent of lies. That's Kwame Kilpet. And I think it's crucial to remember. I wonder what you got to pull it through. Yeah, well, <laughs> we got a pay cut with it, too, so we don't talk about it too much. But the victims of this were the people of Detroit. 
this is a man and his crimes resonate. They're like an echo. What level of support do you think he still has in the city? I wonder if this letter hurts him. I wonder if people see this and say, well, I was with Kilpatrick until he started kissing Trump's ass. Because I don't think Trump is real popular in Detroit. But I think if Kilpatrick gets out, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in some capacity as a surrogate for Trump in Detroit, which in a state that Trump carried by 10,000 votes could be enough to help Trump get a, a second term. I mean, I think it would be genius for Trump to let him out. I mean, I think this would be a very well, smart no skin off move. his back. Right. How would it hurt Donald Trump? I think it'd be a really bad move. How so? I, I, I don't know. I just have to say that. Well, that's because, <laughs> that's because, because want, you're a man of the law. Casey's not listening. Politically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sean, what, what do you think? I'm with you, Mark. It, it's a slick move. Yeah. What does he have to lose? Yeah. And he'll look like he's, you know, to his base, he'll look like, oh, he's making a progressive move in a way. Right. For a guy who at one time said, I hope to go to heaven from Detroit. I don't know that Kilpatrick would be voting or living in Michigan. The minute he could get the yeah. hell out of Michigan, he moved to Texas. You want to go to heaven from Detroit and you move to a really stuck-up suburb in Dallas as soon as you can on a private except, jet? Except he would need to make a living. And where, where else could he make a living but here? He has equity here with some people. No, yeah. Mark, Mark, though, getting back to his base for a second, he would be able to say, look, I, I freed a wrong, wronged black True. man. True. Yeah. No, I think it who plays. was who was done under by the deep state. He would absolutely um, I, I if he think, would do this. I don't know that he'll do this. Kilpatrick Sorry. raised millions from charming white folks. I mean, the CEOs who gave him all that money to leave town, CEOs who gave him money in 2005 to rescue his flagging reelection campaign. And this guy, I'm telling you, when he comes in a room and starts talking, you love him. Well, as Drew says, his greatest talent is separating people from their money. <laughs> it is. And their it's panties. What does. It's what he does. It, it's almost like he could be a pastor of a church in Detroit. Oh, he eats yeah. a room up, for sure. Yeah. yeah he, so this feels like a good time to move to our great debate, because I want to touch on a subject that is very relevant to what we've just been talking about. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. So we've been talking about whether or not 28 years is an appropriate sentence for Kwame Kilpatrick. Uh, I'm going to weigh in last on this one uh, for a change. Michael Bellotta, federal prosecutor, man who helped put Kwame Kilpatrick in prison. Um, 28, too much, not enough, just right? Yeah, I'm going to go with with um, it's appropriate, and I'm going to say the reason is that even though it's uh, unusual, the vastness of his of his corruption is very unusual, and and so we have the sentencing guidelines for a reason to try to eliminate sentencing disparities. And I think you know his case is so much different than any other um, lower level corrupt politician. So yes, I'm going. With that. So he's sticking with the judge. Smart moves. My, my only. Well, she's still on the bench. So. That's right. <laughs> my only problem with it is. And it's it's not fair. And I almost sound like a Kellen Winslow juror when I say this. But in comparison to some other crimes like murder or molestation, you see other people get out sooner. So in comparison with those 28 years, it does seem kind of unfair for what he did. But murderers don't take an oath to not murder. I understand that. But, but I as, guess, a, as a human being, it's, isn't that the number one oath? You don't kill other people. But, but, but what about the harm, Mark? Like, 
the harm of a murder obviously is horrible. It's, it's the, the worst, but it's a harm to one person. Think about the the harm that Kwame Kilpatrick did and who it affected. And I think Emily pointed out seven hundred thousand people. Seven hundred thousand people were affected. You know, the all the pensioners, of, the pensioners, tens of thousands of Detroit retirees. The city went down the drain. Sean, what what, what number do you like? I, if the the guidelines are the guidelines are are they applied applied fairly? That's and they're not. I mean, the, the study after study after study shows that, and I think that's what you were trying to get at earlier when you kept saying "white guy, white guy, white guy," and that's really kind of the elephant in the room here. That's fine that he gets twenty eight years. What did the governor of Illinois get for extortion? A Blagojevich, yeah, fourteen, fifteen, and he got another ten for the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but that's really the issue. I mean, it, 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 well, they're two different issues, right? Twenty years is fine if that's the guidelines. If we're going to apply guidelines fairly, but that's low on the guidelines, actually. Right, right, right. But what Paul Manafort get? I know the extortion wasn't part of that, but but he wasn't a public official, so there's. But he was part of a public administration, or at least, uh, well, no, or he, a campaign. He, he was a campaign, but the the one thing that I think I mean, people that's public. People miss, as, as Michael said earlier in the show, you start at 14 on this level, you know, and, and public officials who do wrong, they drop a heavy hammer on them because they want to send a message that you can't betray the people you swear to serve. And, and the reason I keep saying white guy, white guy is not because I'm trying to defend the system. What I'm trying to do is, is counter this, uh, this false mythology that's out there that Kwame Kilpatrick's been treated differently than people who look different than he does. But Manif- I think if Manafort was a public official, that changes the numbers. But it's him. not Kwame Kilpatrick being treated differently. It's black folks being treated differently, right? I think the average sentence is 20% longer from the latest study that I've seen. And I know that we're not just talking about public corruption and financial crimes or property crimes or whatever. We're, we're talking about murder and, and, and all sorts of other things, armed robbery. But just in general... Um, to me, the, the the data is there, and I understand your point. He may deserve twenty eight years under those guidelines, but I think what makes people uneasy is is that going to be consistent across the country? To Sean's point, um, from about nineteen eighty seven till about ten years ago, the sentencing guidelines were mandatory, and so the judges had to follow those. And it's only in the last ten years since the Supreme Court case called Booker that that judges now can. Can, they're just advisory, so that can account for a lot of the disparity. Because I can, you know, I I can say just in our own district that different judges will will treat the guidelines differently, and sometimes we get different sentences. Well, different Celia Washington, we talked about Celia Washington on this show before, a black woman who should have gotten a lot more time than she did. She actually got less than what the guidelines uh, called for. She was now she was she was she was you know a, a flea compared to this great rhinoceros of a mayor, uh, but. But that was another judge, but and that, the judge's approach to that was different. So it does vary. There's a lot of personality in this. To that point, yeah, for though, sure. in Celia Washington, which, of course, she changed her mind, but she admitted that she was wrong. Kwame has shown no contrition. Ah, he did say he was sorry once, which Manafort hasn't done, by the way, at all. Well, so, Not to keep bringing him back. So that's, another, <laughs> so that's actually another lie since we talk about Kilpatrick every week for the last three months, I figure yeah. I, can, <laughs> I can talk about Manafort. His, show, for, his name's on the show. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't you have a World Series to cover, ah. Sean? <laughs> But, but so, was bullied by Manafort. Yeah, so so this is where I come down. Uh, you know, I think 28 years is fine, but if the purpose of sentencing someone is to rehabilitate them or to get them to recognize what they did wrong and to admit it, Kilpatrick's going to have to do life. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Can I do that? What a dork. 
Him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys. This is a uh, a holdover geek. Um, we've wanted to get this guy, Mark. Especially, you, you've you're nominating what? yourself. What? No, <laughs> I, I'm. Uh, there's no repeats. See, I'm. I'm for wearing that watch. I'm which nobody can status. see. But. It's yeah. Sean doesn't like my watch because it's got hands on it. His has four little red. No, because if flash. you throw it in the ocean, it'll never dissolve. <laughs> so what? I'm a turtle killer now. Yes, exactly. Well, I don't know. What's you... a proper sentence for that? <laughs> Until you learn, you probably made that yourself. Until you I learned. You probably I'm have sorry. a plastic uh, laboratory in your basement. I, I'm sorry. Over at Gross Point. I have sorry. <laughs> Stephen Ross sucks. Okay, sorry. Let me get. Sorry, I backed into the. I'm backing into it. Um, our geek of the week is Stephen Ross, a very generous donor to the University of Michigan. It has nothing to do with him being a generous donor to the University of Michigan. He was nailed because he claimed a thirty-three million dollar donation for commercial land that he gave to the University of Michigan in two thousand three. $33 million. That is a massive contribution. Uh, just one hitch. After an audit, the IRS found the property was only worth $3.9 million. Well, he had a decimal off. Yeah, I guess he forgot to carry the whatever. Um, the IRS imposed a penalty equal to 20%. So does Mr. Ross say, you got me, um, I'm going to give... No, 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 no. He decides to fight. So the IRS asserts that, in fact, there was no deduction for a charitable contribution on the grounds that the transaction was a sham for tax purposes or lacked economic substance. And so it revised the penalty to 40% of the tax underpayment. Well, you know what? Mr. Ross still fought. He fought. He fought. He fought. And in the end, a tax court judge concluded that his firm had grossly misstated the property's value, which he found was worth just three point. Four million dollars, so even less than they had found earlier, and that was a significant disparity between the property's claimed fair market value of thirty-three million dollars, and that the three million that Ross had paid to acquire it just seventeen months before giving it to the university. I hope he can afford it. Stephen Ross trying to claim a big loss. It didn't cost you nothing. You're a geek of the week. As you know, we love to hear from you. Uh, we love getting your emails at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to get a voicemail one of these days at 313-288-9070. That's, that's not a, a charge line. There's nobody waiting to have hot talk with you or... I probably share should check fantasies. it once in a while, too. Oh, we, uh, <laughs> I might have forgotten to do that maybe, this week. Maybe we've got... Well, okay, those voicemails I coming mean, we up. didn't get any ML. Oh, Don't worry yeah. about it. Whew. Okay, thank goodness. <laughs> okay. Mark, uh, you're going to be taking Kilpatrick's place in federal prison. But we love to hear from you. And, and Tim sent us a note uh, with a suggestion for Room 7609. He loves the church. And he saw them a little while ago. Um, the church, I think, has been too successful. So instead... We're going to focus on their guitar player, 
Marty Wilson Piper with San Germain.
so Tim had asked us to play Reptile by the church, but I have to tell you, I think Reptile was a pretty big hit as we sort of saunter through the streets of Paris with a little accordion music there. But I saw the church in uh, Ann Arbor at the Michigan Theater back in, it must have been about 1988, 1989 in the summer. If you've never been to the Michigan Theater to see a show, you've got to go. It's a great place. And, and you know, I... I, I I'm not always uh, as generous to Ann Arbor as I could be. It is a great town. It's a great cultural center. Uh, not so good with the football program. But, uh, but uh, they, were, they were fantastic. And I still remember hanging out back in the alley. Somebody had brought some mind-altering substances. I was uh, pining for one woman, had broken up with another woman. And the third wheel in this thing was a woman who was interested in me. So it was a very complicated evening. But, uh, but the church somehow made it very special. So hopefully they'll come back to town. But San Germain, Marty Wilson Piper, uh, do we have some converts here? He has many albums if anybody wants to dive deeper. or I like the song. You did? You didn't I, listen I actually, to it. Yeah, I did. I, had I one, thought I everybody had, one had their era. headphones off in here. Somebody By has way, to monitor stuff in here, Sean. Oh, I understand, and you do a great <laughs> job of that. By hey. the way, a listener wants and requests a song. Why can't we give somebody what they want every once in a while? But you know, my, my speaking of the Michigan Theater, my brother-in-law works there. But I'm not going to go on a 10-minute diatribe <laughs> about how I go get popcorn there at 10 o'clock at night for free. It's a great perk. But yeah, know. that that wasn't that wasn't popcorn smoking in the alley. But uh, there may have been a small fire somewhere. So you're the guy on the alley when I was younger, huh? But right, instead <laughs> you, you you're don't gonna, recognize in, me without I know, the mullet. I know that alley. Instead, we're going to play some this a medieval song, which is what that was. <laughs> Michael, bring some culture to this here. Rescue us here. Well. Um, I didn't know that that um, the lead guitarist had a, a solo al- um, career, so that was that was fascinating to hear. Um, I do know the church songs. I love kind of this the new wave. Song. The Milky Way tonight. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. a great song, but we'd never hear it here. <laughs> it's yeah. it's too popular. Because uh, anybody mentioned uh, iTunes to you, perhaps uh, Spotify. <laughs> you know, there's other there's other. Do you listen to one song a week? I, I gotta we? say, I think Sean's landing more punches this week. This is. <laughs> You know why? Because I'm trying to. He's uh, throwing less. This is what happens. Like, he's trying to behave in front of the prosecutor. Let's let's be nice to the universe. Well, I did. I did. I did. Sort of cop to a Schedule One uh, narcotic True. a minute True. ago, but I think there may be a statute, statute of limitations. limitations. Exactly. I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's legal. But uh, yeah, this is what happens. I try and get all Michigan. Plus, like, you learned your uh, lesson, and I get wailed on. Well, this is what happens when you eat a bag of gummies before you start the show. <laughs> I thought we were going to do that after the show. <laughs> I thought you had a whole bag. No, I didn't. It's not a bag; it's a pouch, and they're hard to you open. Go through Sam and Jake's sock drawer again. <laughs> What's going on over there? No, Teresa gave him to me. <laughs> <laughs> Counterpunch. Yeah. Ouch. You are lame. Yeah. She, you said she also gave you syphilis, so she's going to kick you. Okay, ass. now you can't talk about <laughs> her that way. I, lo- I love her. You can't talk about her that way. Which Teresa are we talking about? The one that lives in Gross Point with you. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of St. Teresa of the, of the lepers. <laughs> hey, can the I only a- woman who would have you. <laughs> can I, can I um, make and a When plug? a leper gives you a hand job... <laughs> It's, Can I take this on a major detour? edit this. Yes, ma- please, major detour please. From, from what you just my said. My contract is up this oh, summer oh at Fox goodness. 2. Michael, save us again. <laughs> so here's the thing. You mentioned um, what the U.S. Attorney said about our, our um, district. We're we going from, from lepers to yeah. the U.S. Attorney. I, I, this, we're I, both in trouble I, now. I told you 180 degrees here. Um, it's true um, that we are the, the we have the, brought the most corruption cases in the last five years of any district in the country, including 
uh, those that comprise New York, Chicago, Miami, L.A. And I, I don't think that necessarily that means that we just are the most corrupt area. I think we have an amazing FBI. I think we have we have really good prosecutors um, in our office, and I think that that I want the public to know that if if you own a business, and whether it's in Detroit or whether it's in Macomb, which we're, we're finding a lot of corruption there, just if someone asks you for some money and they're a public official, don't just call the FBI. Don't just. just well, I was going to say you can advertise on the soul of Detroit if you have a business in Detroit. <laughs> but yes, call the FBI too. Yes, call the FBI. So, so don't be afraid to do that, and certainly don't go along with any kinds of, of uh, bribery or extortion. Um, it's not that hard. It was really hard in the Kilpatrick case because when we were in investigating it, people were afraid to talk to the FBI because they, Kwame was still in office. It got a lot easier once he was gone. But um, do call the FBI. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I like to think that, that the free press and, and the feds, the FBI, the IRS, the U.S. Attorney's Office have kind of changed the game here in Michigan where you don't have to take it and say who cares i think people know and i think we've raised the quality of our public officials still a lot of room to grow there but uh, i I had a city councilman one time tell me when there's a vacancy on city council we're having trouble getting people to apply for this opening because every time somebody expresses an interest in city council you go through their background and i said the problem is (laughs) you want people who have problems in their background to apply not that people who shouldn't apply are now afraid of applying because they're going to be exposed so yes i don't know that michigan is the most corrupt i think we're probably up there but i do think that that the number of cases is a is a testament and a, a tribute to how hard the media and and law enforcement are working to root this out because and people are responding because people have said we deserve better and now we're going to insist on it and we know who to contact to get that satisfaction so uh so michael balata a u.s attorney author uh, give us give us a, a 30 second on your book oh so i wrote a book called hardcore um that i published it was published back in 2011 and it was based in part on my experiences in the hardcore gang unit i started off as a da in los angeles and i pre- uh, prosecuted primarily gang related homicides and so i based my career it's, it's a work of fiction but it's based in part of, of my experiences and all the proceeds benefit the Baldwin Center. In oh, Oakland actually, County, it's, it's right? um, Forgotten Harvest. Forgotten Harvest, okay. A portion of it, yes. Baldwin Center is a good cause, too, but don't forget yes. Forgotten Harvest either. Yes, thank you. But when you do Google Hardcore, make sure you put my name in, Bellotta, because if you just Google Hardcore, <laughs> I cannot. I wouldn't know. That's a, that's a separate, separate federal offense. So, uh, so Michael, thanks for coming on. Uh, Mark, Sean, great to have you. Please let our sponsors know that you're listening and that you appreciate their support of this show because truly – There's three people who make this show happen. You, the listener, first of all. Second of all, our sponsors. And third of all, the good Lord Jehovah. No? Oh, me? I thought you were going to say you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked no, you weren't, didn't no. include yourself in the list. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say Drew. Because without, yeah, true. Without, Drew, true. without Drew, the basement's free on, uh, on Wednesdays. But, um, and listen to the other shows on the Red Shovel Network. Uh, Charlie Duff's No BS News Hour. Eli, uh, Bob, and Denny's No Filter Sports. And, of course, our flagship, the Drew and Mike podcast. You've been listening to the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Mike X Minus One has brought you The Parade, an original story written by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were M.L. Elric as Ryan, Mark Falhauer as Luchar, John Windsor as Daly, Mommy Kilpatrick as The Woman, and William Keene as Sanford, your announcer Don Pardo. 
X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is a transcribed Red Shovel Network production.